Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. Welcome back to Holding Ground. I'm Michelle Mooney, a licensed trauma and couples therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. We are here live at, on 11.50 a.m. talk radio in Seattle, 9.30 every Tuesday morning, or you can find us uh, anywhere you catch your podcasts. Today, I'm here again with another licensed trauma and couples therapist, Ashlyn Graff. It's really great to have you back. Thank you. And good morning, Michelle. And good morning to our listeners. Uh, we really appreciate you and I'm excited to be back. Uh, I just want to remind everyone that Anchor Light Therapy Collective, we offer a complimentary consultation to all potential clients who want to discover how therapy might help them to achieve their goals. So go to anchorlighttherapy.com slash get started uh, if you could use a therapist. Awesome. Thank you. So today, Ashlyn, we are going to be talking about a popular topic, the difference between seeking support from those around you and trauma dumping. Um, so a couple of things I want to mention up front, um, trauma dumping is not necessarily a symptom of PTSD, like uh, restlessness or nightmares or depression are. So um, just because somebody has trauma doesn't mean that they're um, going to do this behavior, that it's a symptom of it. So um, I just want to make sure folks know that because, you know, with PTSD, we can tend to be maybe more avoidant or not wanting to share with other people if it doesn't feel safe. Now, that's not to say, right, people with traumatic experiences don't do this, but it's it's not uh, a symptom of that. So so talking about uh, healthy support systems, Ashlyn, right, folks that it would be good to go with, um, with our uh, struggles too. What does that look like and why is that important? Yeah, I mean, there are so many reasons uh, why it is important to have a healthy support network. Um, and just to name a few, um, having a healthy support system is a protective factor for suicide in terms of like, if you have that depression, and you have people that you can rely on when you really need them, um, that can keep people safer. Um, also, I'd like to bring up attachment theory when I talk about a support system, um, because it's kind of this idea that we don't just want, but we need other people um, in our lives. This is how we've um, evolved through time in community, and we also heal in community. So having a support system in itself is a good thing. Um, in group therapy, we have a concept called universality. And what that means is that you are not the only person in the world with a given problem. So um, when you come to the world with a specific experience, no matter like what that experience is, you do find healing um, when you talk to others who've had similar experiences to you. And you get to understand that you are not alone in your struggle and start to learn about like how others have successfully coped with said problem and learn healthy ways to move forward. Um, so I think in general, like why, relying on a support network is a really good thing. Absolutely, absolutely, Ashlyn. And I really love the attachment theory piece and how you know we we need community. That's how we thrive and how we survive. And that having others, you know, to share stories with is so important. And we want to make sure we do those in the right context within you know with the most thoughtfulness that 
we can and you're talking about healing over like shared experiences something that comes to mind is uh, for example like a 12-step community mm -hmm. uh, folks who have a common struggle and they all connect and they have community and that's one of the you know um uh, best things that can come out of something like that is you don't feel like you are the only one. Um, so anywhere you can go where um, you have that sense of community, you know, you're not alone. And like you're saying, learning how other people did it, right? How did, how did they get through this, you know, and, and being able to find healing in that way too, hearing success stories. Um, so those are all really good points. So in see, seeking support, right? Um, it refers to utilizing like a previously built uh, support system if we're thinking about like friends or trusted family members, that sort of thing versus like a brand new person in your life or, you know, maybe somebody that you never met. Um, you know, we don't we don't know enough about that person's story um, to go ahead and like talk trauma dump and share all of our feelings and the worst things that have ever happened to us because there's a lot of considerations there. I mean, one, you want to make sure it's somebody that you can trust with that story, right? Who will take care of that story versus maybe use it for gossip or use it, you know, um, against you in some sort of way, right? We want to make sure we're sharing these things in really safe spaces. Um, you know, and, and trauma dumping uh, definitely can be a coping mechanism, um, but, you know, it's really an ineffective way of seeking emotional support. Um, so again, you know, really sharing um, with folks that you can trust, but also making sure it's just not this one-sided, here's everything that's on my mind, and, you know, that's the extent of the conversation. We'll get more into that but um you know professionals are another great uh, person to have in your support network there are a lot of you know online tools now certain apps where you can go and like chat in real time um, with some sort of uh trauma-informed or a mentally health uh trained person where you can share those things um and thinking about therapy ashlyn um that is your time. That is the one time where it is all one sided. And that is the person who is both trained in, um, you know, how to have those conversations and how to hold space for you. And that's, that's your time again, right? There's no one from your outside world influencing anything there. It is just your time to go ahead and do you want to trauma dump uh, with your therapist, right? You know, that's a good place to do it. Um, and then, of course, if you're in some sort of a crisis um, and you need to um, connect with somebody right away, um, the mental health uh, number is 988 that you can call at any time. So, uh, Ashlyn, why is it important to differentiate between trauma dumping and seeking support? Yeah, uh, I'm going to get to that in a second, but I wanted to also kind of uh, respond to something that you just said that I think is really mm. good um, of like trust takes time to build and it takes like knowing that person has shown up for you in the past to build. So like even with clients, a lot of the time, I'll often say like, you don't have to trust me in the first session um, mm -hmm. because like I haven't shown you that I am a trustworthy source yet. And you will like hopefully develop that comfort over time. But I don't expect um, that bond to just be there. That doesn't model a healthy building of trust. Um, what models healthy building of trust is you kind of giving me a little information and seeing that I continue to show up for you um, in empathic and kind ways through time. Um, so it really is, um, it does take time to build. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of the 
ways to differentiate trauma dumping and seeking support. Um, I think it's really important because people who really need support may not ask for it because they think they're a burden when they share anything heavy or vulnerable, which can contribute to worsened mental health symptoms. And um, this is not ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and talking about any of these things, right, hopefully, you know, there's a lot of new concepts and, you know, buzz terminology around, the, you know, trauma dumping, right, is like you said in the beginning, like, it's kind of this um, newer phrase that we're using now. And, you know, never to disparage anyone who needs the support, who can connect with somebody in a healthy way and talk through their um, trauma in their past. So definitely still talk about these things. It's kind of just the etiquette of doing so is what we're um, talking about today. So yeah, Ashlyn, so let's get into trauma dumping a little bit more and what that looks like. Yeah. So um, this is kind of a newer phrase, but uh, trauma dumping refers to what is often non-consensual offering of traumatic or emotionally heavy information, often before that bond of trust and safety is built with the receiver of said information. And um, at the surface level, providing this information might appear vulnerable, um, as in like, oh, I'm an open book. I tell everybody everything. I wear my heart on my sleeve. But it tends to actually be a defense mechanism to avoid building trusting relationships and getting to those like core emotions related to the trauma. And I think trauma dumping has a lot more to do with the way that you share that information rather than the information that you're sharing. Yeah. And and people might trauma dump because they might not have been modeled healthy ways of building trust growing up from their parents or caregivers. They may have seen this this type of sharing as like a thing that is normal. Often I see this with people that like struggle more with like emotion regulation, um, which that can be a symptom of PTSD. It can also be a symptom um, of a lot of other diagnoses as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the point around like not being modeled healthy ways is a really good point to make because yeah, if you grew up in a household where that was the norm, right? Mom got home from work and just unloaded on dad and like, blah, 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 here's everything that happened today. And like, that's it. And it's a one-sided kind of like, oh, that's how you relieve stress or that's how you can communicate if you're feeling distressed. So yeah, if you learn this, that very well could be why you do it, right? A lot of this stuff is not, is not intentional. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So a little bit more on that, Um, you know, thinking about um, sharing and having emotional support, um, you know, to develop closer relationships with others. um, The trauma dumping piece is that makes it not a mutual interaction, right? It's a kind of communication that involves like the the trauma dumper getting some sort of emotional need met in that moment without considering, right, what's going on for the other person. Maybe they would like to contribute to the conversation some sort of way. Um, Sometimes trauma dumpers can fixate on one person that they almost see as their savior. Um, So they'll really cling to this person, pour their heart out um, at any chance that they get, um, even if it's been made clear that the level of intimacy is a little bit too much. Um, So this can be, um, you know, talking uh, about earlier experiences, sometimes if uh, somebody has abandonment issues, right, they'll, they'll attach really close to somebody and keep them close and that becomes their one and only person. 
person. Um, so that could be the cause of it. Now, this doesn't mean this is what trauma dumping always looks like, but um, very much so could be like, hey, I'm distressed again, but I know my neighbor's a therapist. So I'm going to go trauma dump real quick <laughs> over the fence and then go back inside the house, you know? And yeah, that's just a little bit of how that can come up too. But remembering like emotional connection, conversation, friendships, that sort of thing, there has to be, um, you know, uh, has to be mutual. Yeah, so, definitely. That kind of segues then into, you know, how, when this isn't appropriate. Um, so Ashlyn, yeah, what are a few ways this would not be inappropriate? Or appropriate. Yeah. Uh, well, I think going back to like in general, it doesn't model those healthy ways of building trust. Um, it can also really overwhelm the receiver sometimes and cause burnout in interpersonal relationships. So like your friend might really care about you and love you and think that you're very cool and neat, uh, but they might not have the energy to be around you when they know that this is a pattern, um, which isn't great for you and it isn't great for them. Um, it can also perpetuate further trauma to the dumper because when the receiver is caught off guard or overwhelmed, they might respond in ways that appear uncaring, um, like I just can't handle this right now or I have to go or dismissive, kind of just zoning out and saying, aha, uh -huh, um, in order to like protect themselves. Um, sometimes it also might not be an appropriate time or place for like these types of conversations. Um, so like, let's say the person is having a good time at an event and um, they don't really have that energy. They're not in that mindset to take that. Um, that's not really being respectful to their experience rather than asking like, is that okay if I share something with you? Um, so I think when this happens, um, social cues are missed. Um, the feelings of the listener are ignored and it's often when the listener does not have the emotional capacity um, and with strangers in particular, people that we don't really know very well, we do not know their story. So we don't know what could be triggering for them to hear. Yeah, absolutely. If, you know, if I'm letting you know about the trauma I went through last week around, you know, I got bit by a dog and it was really terrible and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I'm just trauma dumping all of this on you. And if I don't know, right, that potentially could be triggering you, right? Maybe something really bad like that happened to you, or maybe, gosh forbid, a family member was really harmed by, you know, a dog attack. So, you know, we think we're, we're putting these things out there and hopefully that, you know, they're landing in a place where, okay, ooh, I feel a little relief. That person can listen to me. But if we don't know, right now we're triggering them. So, you know, kind of that consent piece that you were talking about in the beginning, um, having to make sure that we have that before we get into something, um, you know, really heavy. And we're, we'll talk more about like how to do this better um, in a little bit. So um, the the one that you were talking about, uh, Ashlyn, like, uh, you know, getting burnt out. Um, mm -hmm. And like, you know, if you love a friend or family member, um, but they are doing this consistently, yeah, it really ruptures the relationship. It's unfortunate to look at the phone and be like, mom again, right? She's just going to complain about our new boyfriend. So go to voicemail, right? Oh, mom's name is coming up on the phone. Okay. Now I, now I have this immediate sense of anxiety because I know this person who might want to trauma dump on me is going to take all the energy I have left. Right. So it's almost like, gosh, like you're saying, I don't even really want to uh, connect with this person as much anymore. We start to avoid me more, put up more walls or distance because it's just not good uh, for us. It's not a good way of building and maintaining a relationship. So yeah, that's that's a really good point that 
you made. Um, Ashley, I'm curious for you, do you um, have like, any examples that you can think of where you've seen this either, you know, working with clients or out in the real world? Um, yeah, definitely. So um, in terms of working with clients, um, I've had a lot of clients talk about friends that they have um, that will just emotionally pull and emotionally pull. And these are the clients that I'm thinking of have depression already, and it takes all of their energy to just get out of bed and brush their teeth some days. So like when you're really struggling to even take care of your basic needs, when somebody else is just trying to pull things out of you that you don't have, um, it can feel pretty violating. And um, they ended up setting boundaries um, with that person uh, in terms of like, the work that I did with them um, around that. Um, and it's it's rough because people don't always necessarily like boundaries, um, but I think they can be framed in that that way of, um, hey, I wanna support you, but like I can't right now. Um, and I want you to have support that actually can meet your needs at this moment. Um, in terms of like the wild, I definitely see it too, um, both like in person and the internet, sometimes honestly, even people on the bus just start talking. Oh, about their good lives. point. Yeah, there's um, a lot of men on the bus. Yep. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely all over and pretty pervasive, and it's really hard because like we want to encourage human connection, we want to encourage communication, but also like, is this really um, the way to do it? <laughs> Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Right. Exactly. Um, another example, um, sometimes where we can see this is um, on a first date. Um, so like mm. if somebody, um, you know, here's all the worst things that ever happened um, to me, um, you know, they, they feel like they're like you're saying like, the, oh, I'm being vulnerable. I'm being honest. Um, but again, we don't know the person we're on a first date with, even if we've been texting them you know, with them for two weeks prior to this first date, right? So, and of course, it's probably really likely that, you know, if you're the trauma dumper, that person you went on the first date with, there might not be a second date, right? That could have been really intense. Um, maybe they're not really getting to know the things that you actually want to know uh, on a first date, like, let's talk about our favorite TV show, or let's plan our next date, or, you know, what do you think about, you know, this thing that's going on in the news, like, you know, tell me about your family history with that, you know, but maybe not, let's get into all the bad things that happen, right? These, these things that should be first date conversations um trying to have those um but you know this typically does not go well um if this is uh, happening on a first date yeah and i i just think of like if both people are doing this that's going to be a really intense relationship <laughs> it's that intense yes. to start <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, that piece about it, you know, having to be like mutual. If yeah, you're in a relationship where we're just like slinging our trauma stories back and forth, uh, are we really connecting, or are we did we find somebody we can mutually vent with? Um, you know, so it it can be helpful if we have a partner um, who maybe has also experienced adverse things in life. If we have, because there is there's a common language there, right? That you can understand when um, someone else has had um, harder uh, situations in life. So it it can be a bonding thing in a healthy way and we wanna care for that, but we don't want to yeah, just be in a relationship where we're trauma dumping back and forth and not actually connecting or. Uh, you know, yeah, and I've, uh, I've had friends where we've connected over similar experiences and like, 
uh, how to start to feel like, oh no, I don't want this to be like the only thing that we talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though it is a great thing to like have that support with and have that connection with, but also making sure that that relationship isn't just built on um, like shared trauma, um, Mm -hmm. which they aren't, um, which is great. But I think like being mindful of that piece as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, and I'm trying to think too, like um, sometimes, you know, you can see this in um, established couples uh, who have been together for a really long time and, you know, maybe they're in couples therapy, let's say, or in their own individual therapy and they realize like, oh, hey, I've had some difficult things coming up that are, uh, you know, that happened to me either, you know, early in life, two years ago, whatever it is, and realizing that was a traumatic experience for me. And now I want to share with my partner all the time. And I want to be able to get this out and and talk about my trauma with my person. But even an established relationship um, where, um, you know, there is that trust uh, and there is, um, you know, mutual compassion and um, generally mutual conversation, it still can be really hard for your partner to adjust to like, oh my gosh, you know, my, my partner has dealt with a lot. I never knew that they're realizing these things for themselves. I want to be able to connect and support them. And this is also like really overwhelming for me to hear all of these things. So this can happen, um, in some, uh, couple relationships, uh, for sure. Right. We think about this idea of secondary trauma where, um, you know, at its worst, um, people um, might start to experience their own level of PTSD symptoms. You know, if they hear a really difficult story, they can start to become triggered by reminders of that. Or, you know, it just really can have a, an uncomfortable physical effect on some people, right? Your nervous system just is completely turned on at that point. So it can be very difficult. And we'll talk more a little bit um, in the second part of this series around this idea of secondary trauma um, and um, and other contexts where, again, if if we're not equipped, um, if we're not, you know, mental health professionals, we might not be, you know, equipped to handle really difficult conversations. Um, so, and it can really take a toll on the listener. So, um, I'm trying to think other like couples examples where um, you maybe have seen this, Ashlyn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, and I think like there's a piece of the uh, the pandemic that really affected this of like a lot of people started working at home and being more isolated. So for those people, they really want to talk when they get home about anything. Mm-hmm. And for the people going into work who interact with people all day, they come home and they really don't have that energy or capacity to talk. Um, so I definitely see that dynamic a lot. Um, in some cases um, with like just uh, mental illness in terms of like depression. Sometimes um, people don't necessarily always have the capacity to um, like be a support for their partner, which is really hard on both ends. Um, But I think also recognizing like that, that balance of like respecting your own emotional boundaries while still trying to be there for your partner. um, It is achievable, but um, it does take a lot of communication and honesty about like when you can show up and when you like need to take a break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, um, 
other examples of, you know, this being a hard thing for the listener to hear, um, again, if they, you know, either grew up or maybe had a past partner that was trauma dumping on them all the time, and they had a hold space, and they've always been very sensitive to, um, you know, taking care of other people's uh, emotions and needs uh, before their own trauma dumping can be, you know, um, a trigger to that, right? Well, here comes another scenario where I'm going to have to totally show up for this person. I've done this my whole life. Um, it feels very overwhelming and exhausting. So, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we want to make sure that we have consent um, before talking about difficult things uh, with people. So, um, like we said, this is a uh, two-part series, so um, we will definitely talk a little bit more um, in our next episode about what to do if, you know, you are the person listening to this, what to do if maybe you are uh, the trauma dumper, so we'll get more into the strategies, um, but uh, anything else you can think of for this week, Ashlyn, that you think would be uh, a good example? No, I feel like we covered a lot of it, um, yeah. but I really appreciate uh, you being here, Michelle. And um, for next week, I would love to see people tune in and um, we're going to discuss trauma dumping online, what to do if you are the dumper and uh, what to do if you are the listener. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, we will see you all next week. Thanks for tuning into Holding Ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. I'm Laura Richard, Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. And we'll see you next week.